0: The, the Straight talking Mental Health podcast that ran for uh, three years, and it just got to the point where I just didn't have the time to to commit to it, and um, it was there was just too much involved, as 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 you know, you know, in in trying to sort everything, and dealing with guests from around the world, and trying to schedule things around work and other commitments, and editors, and all of that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I decided then that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, so I called to an end to it after three years and
1: was it, a, it was a tough decision was it because it probably is a bit like your baby after three years like it's yeah it like was COVID. yeah
0: yeah there, you know there was that part of me that was like oh yeah But if you try this if you try that and you know you're trying to promote stuff on social media and you know Facebook or TikTok or any of them throttle your audience to try and get you to pay and you know I was, I was paying for everything and uh it was just i just couldn't justify the cost of myself then so like uh my last co-host on the podcast would have been my my ex-partner and you know she looked after the tiktok side of things and you know you put up a video uh, a short clip of the show and you know tiktok then gives you the thing of oh you know to show this to x amount of thousand people pay x amount so we're like oh well we, we boost the post you know so she looked after all of that so she boost the post and once once you paid for it you're fucked, like now TikTok are like, ah, we fucking got you. You're yeah. willing to pay. You're going to keep on paying us. So, you know, fair play to her now. She, she took care of all of that. But, you know, that was, again, just wasn't worth wasn't the effort. And then, you know, I just started putting up TikTok myself then a few weeks ago. And in the space of four weeks, it's like fucking 13,500 followers. Like, And you're like, where's the fucking, where's the, where's the sense in all of that, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, there there is no fucking sense in it. Yeah, TikTok yeah, is... Yeah. It's it's probably not as like volatile. I remember a few years ago during COVID, you'd put up one video and you'd be, you'd have you'd have two thousand followers out of nowhere. Like, but mm. yeah, the podcast one is a is a real slow. It's a slow burner. Kind of yeah. was it? Did yours like? Would you like define it as was it successful or what do you think?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, the bot the podcast could best be described as successful because there was people literally alive because of it. You know, you get correspondence with people going like one, one person in particular, they were literally on the way to kill themselves. And someone sent them the podcast. That was it. That was enough to, to keep them alive. And they lived for it every week then. And, you know, these people became huge supporters of the, of the podcast. And, you know, the irony was, you know, we were bigger in the UK than we were in Ireland, you know, and, um, that, that fluctuated but the UK got to be the, the biggest market I think that like the Irish accent and the, the, the Irish personality on it so um, it was a huge success in that in that shape or form of bringing awareness to, to things that you know people wouldn't necessarily be talking about or you know for myself it was always just you know it was great to learn something new something I wasn't aware of because it had started off myself and uh, Peter Dunn who's out a radio morning show host on Midlands 103 And, you know, I was kind of the quotation marks expert. You know, I was the psychotherapist on it. And, you know, he was asking me the questions around certain topics and stuff like that. And then we started having guests on. So then the the show became about, you know, so if we were doing an episode on depression or borderline personality disorder, it was someone that had experienced depression or borderline personality disorder that was telling their story. So like one of my favorite episodes was around endometriosis. Because I knew fuck all about it, some women experience, and I was like, "This is fucking mental." Like, I am so glad to be a man because I don't have to put up with any of this shit. Like, yeah. so you know, stuff like that was really interesting. You know, and, and the guests from around the world of different backgrounds and you know th- things like that were, were, were huge, huge for me and and for all the listeners.
1: Yeah, it's, it's mad that someone someone was on the way to kill themselves. Like, that's like like most people do podcasts and whatever. People might listen to them and get something out of it, but like. I don't think I've heard that before. Like when it's, it was, yeah, it was yeah. that real. Like that's. Yeah. And
0: people, people were going to therapy because of what I was, stuff I was talking about. And, you know, relationships were saved. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's mad. Like, you know, because these people then are just, you know, they're an email correspondence or they're a private message. And unbeknownst, you know, myself and whoever the co host would be, you know, we're shy talking over here in Ireland. And someone's in England is alive because of the podcast. Someone in America is in therapy because of the podcast and someone you know in the west of Ireland has their kids seeing their father after stopping them after the podcast you know things like that just made a huge huge difference to to people that you don't even know about you know they're just a stat they're just a a number on on the podcast a statistic based so to hear the real stories like that and you know how much it meant to people was you know that meant an awful lot
1: yeah, and it probably probably made it like twice as tough to actually stop doing it oh, because yeah. of the yeah. weight or the significance you actually had when you were doing yeah.
0: it. Yeah, that exactly that. Like, you know, you know, when uh, that exact point of you know, when you think, Jesus, well, what if it saved one other person? You know, what you know, people that live for it, like you know, the episodes went out at midnight on a on a Monday night, I think. And so Tuesday was the new and the people are, like living for a Tuesday. It's like, oh, it's my Tuesday routine. I'll go for a walk, you know, I'll do this and do that, you know, you're a part of my week. Uh, and so the way the, the podcast started off was, you know, we were doing a topic, but then the bit that I and when Peter approached me about doing it, my stipulation was like, I, I will do this because I don't want it to feel like work. So, you know, I wanted to be, I'm having a chat with my mate, and we just happened to be talking about mental health stuff. So what I started to push for then, Peter wasn't, a, he wasn't kind of for it at the beginning, but what I started to push for was just those few minutes check-in and go, how's things, man? How have you been? We might talk about what we've been up to, maybe something happened with the kids or in the relationship or they did something. And that's what people resonated with. So there'd be certain topics that people would have no interest in. So men in general aren't going to listen to an episode around endometriosis But people would listen in for just a chat at the start of it, the check-in part. And then they would find themselves carrying through into the interview part. I go, Oh, I just got to listen. Jesus, when I started listening, it was fucking really interesting. And so that that part I liked the check-in at the start. Um, just having a crack, check it in, how have you been feeling, what's been going on with her. And then we'd go into we'd segue then into the into the interview. So it became a kind of podcast of two parts. So if you didn't like the chat at the start, you could just go to the the topic. If you didn't like the topic, you could just listen to the to the chat. So You know, there was, I think, there was something there for everyone of, and the realness of it just resonated with people.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I must, I, I, I won't lie to you. I actually haven't listened to it, but I I will. Mm. It's, um, I'd love to listen to that episode that that your man had listened to when he was on his way. Yeah, I I can't
0: uh, remember which one it is. It'll probably be in the, probably be in the episode description of some of the correspondence that we got or something like that.
1: Yeah, and what is what like a lot of cars? I know, like, obviously, it's all different, but like, there's a lot of Mm. correspondence just lads kind of telling telling you how they're getting on and they're just saying whatever you say. We go to therapy or whatever your man you stopped him taking his own life is it just kind of general stuff like that
0: yeah a lot a lot of that stuff would be you know people sharing their story they might they might not want to come on as a guest but just to tell their story maybe it was around abuse or something like that so we'd read that out as a correspondence um people just messaging then how much they enjoy the show or like that coming on wanting to come on to be a guest i've got a story to tell so we get them on as a guest we had a few few of the regular a few of our regular listeners want to come on then as as guests just to tell to tell their story as well so there was a real community around it because you get the regular correspondence and you know you get to know their names and you know they're they're checking in and you know they're enjoying whatever they all really love this bit this week that kind of thing so the kind of regular listeners as you would get on you know, any radio station or anything like that. You know, you you just build a bit of a rapport with strangers around the world. It's strange.
1: Yeah. And you especially do when you're being you know, when you're being really honest as well. Like yeah. you, you know, ob- yeah. people obviously love that. Like there's there's so much kind of fake shite that mm. anyone who's any way honest at all, people are gonna yeah. latch onto. And especially when you're talking about such a sensitive thing. Mm. You know, the mental health you know these aren't talking about a fucking football match. Like you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sensitive stuff like so. Um what did you what did you learn from like from doing it for three years? Like obviously, like you're hearing like loads of other people's like perspectives and stories. Mm-hmm. Like, you, um... uh, I
0: suppose it's probably different for me because I hear that stuff every day as a psychotherapist. You know, so hearing those stories. One one of the biggest things that that stood out for me was a comment that Peter made. So Peter Peter did like fifty episodes or something. We did ended up doing one hundred twenty five episodes, and the biggest thing that stood out was him saying, "Oh, I didn't realize you could." you know, you could have a joke around mental health. I thought it had to be all serious, you know, and I think that was in relation to, we had a guest on, she was brilliant, she was great, crack, Pam, she was down in Limerick, I think. Um, it was really unfortunate because of so we had technical difficulties, so we didn't do a long interview with her. And she was just talking of, I think she had, I think she was bipolar, maybe, I can't remember exactly. And she was talking about, you know, she tried to take her own life multiple times, like, and I just said Pam, it's not for you, like, you know you've, you've tried, <laughs> like, just fucking stop, like take take the message, <laughs> you know uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, Peter, I think, you know as we just, as he adjusted into that, I go, yeah, look, we just need to be real about this like, we don't have to have kid gloves around everything, and you know, there were certainly interviews where it was like that, but that's the stuff that I would have people fucking spitting their coffee out, like, you know, people are messaging, go, Jesus Christ, I actually fucking spit my coffee out when you said blah, 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 or whatever it may have been. So, it, 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 at times, especially toward the end, where, because for me, it was always about the co-host, it was always about the banter, it was always about the, you know, the chat between us. Um, so, toward the end, then, where there was no co-host, that's when I was like, this is this is just work for me you now. It's basically a therapy session, but some person and you know it's great you know i was all about having a crack on it like. but you know you're dealing with maybe people in america or something like that with a very different sense of humor you know it's hard to it's just and you know you might have technical difficulties there might be a like a fucking two second delay and you're trying to have a conversation and you're trying to you know stay engaged and it's just out of sync and And you're having to fucking edit that and sync up audio with video. And so at the end, it was just, it was just work for me. And that, that was what I never wanted it to be. That was the one stipulation I never, I never had for it was like this, this can't be work. I don't want to go from, you know, a full day down at the office to come home to just do an interview with someone. That's another therapy session that I'm not getting fucking paid for. So, and plus I'm going to have to put four or five hours or six hours or whatever it could have been at some times into editing this and trying to sync it all up and all of that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, just for, for the end, then it was just, it was just work uh, and the crack was gone.
1: Yeah. But well, yeah, as you say about the, the Americans, you'd probably have to tread a bit more lightly. You know, the Irish, you can kind of get away with most things. And, and like, by that stage of an interview, you probably know what she's like. You know, she should be able to take a joke. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the Americans, they do have a different sense of humor. I was talking to someone, um, a friend of mine, they were out, out the there tonight. I think there was an American with them. And you're one, and she kind of just, you know, the way you jokingly kind of shout, or not shout or whatever, but she kind of, the American took it seriously anyway. And she was a bit like, oh, Jesus, they all, as if she was, Mm. Having a go at her, so yeah, I, I'd I'd always have to tread. No, know I tread lightly anyway. It's, the the joke you made is not a joke I'd have the balls to make. To be honest yeah, with yeah, you, but yeah, yeah. it um when, it, but when it's, it cook-
0: I think it's it's kind of the art of knowing your audience as well. It's knowing the character and the guest, and she was she was great crack. Like so, it's like you know, I you know how far you can push it with, with certain people. There's others now where you know it's like, you know, there's no point trying to land a joke here at all because you know they're just they're on fucking plugging a book or something like that. They're just on with an agenda and it's like, right, let's fucking, let's plug your book and, uh, you know, give you a little bit of exposure and that kind of thing. So I think, and I think it comes from the therapy as well of, of being a therapist. I've just been a really, you know, getting really quickly attuned to what a person is like of how far you can go, how far not to go, you know, where to go, where not to go. Um, so it's more of a kind of, I think that aspect is more of an art, and the science and, and Peter you know he had said like he's going on to, to host a morning show on Midlands 103 and you know he had said in one of, the, in one of his last episodes like you know he's, he's better at that job because of the podcast because we interviewed such varied guests on such heavy topics you know that you know it really gave him great preparation for uh, for being able to host that show so you know that was that was great as well
1: what was what was the toughest one you ever had to do was there any tough ones
0: um Again, a lot of work. I tell you, one that fucking really stood out for me. We had a um, guy named Sean. I think his name was on borderline personality, and he talked about his own suicide attempt. And he fucking slice his wrists. And but he was telling us that his his father, his, his grandfather, tried to chop his father's head off with an axe. And Easy. then when the wife came out to stop him, he tried to fucking drown the guest's father like right you're like fuck me like you know you forget the trauma and you forget the you know rural ireland and all this shit that goes on like and you know so when you just when you hear stuff like that again you know i hear i hear that stuff and all the time at work but when you hear something like that you're just like fucking hell like you know just insane stuff like and you know and then talking about his own you know, suicide attempts and he's trying to fucking get the blood. He doesn't want to get the blood all over the floor and he's trying to get it into the sink and this kind of thing, like, you know, but again, a great guest, great, he has his own podcast around Borderline, I think as well. And, you know, so again, someone like that, you know how far you can go with it. You're not, you're not minding them. Some guests, you know, you end up minding them of gone, just I can't go too far with this. I don't think they're going to be able for it. And, you know, you try to manage them a little bit with that. Some guests, you know, as, as I'm sure you're aware, some guests are just bad guests. You know, they're just hard work, and it's monosyllabic answers. And you know, you're trying to drag the conversation out, and you know, trying to get some nugget out of the whole thing. Um, so, you know, you're going to get that. Though. You're going to get that in everyday life, and if it happens in everyday life, it's going to happen as a guest on a podcast as well. But I have to say, nine nine times out of ten, like the guests were, the guests were
1: were great yeah but uh yeah no it is as you say it's a fair kind of it's a it's an art you have to master and like when someone's coming on unloading all their trauma on you you have to be very it's because it, it is i know i said already like it's very it's extremely touchy like and i and i wouldn't obviously you'd be to your job like so you're you're good at it mm-hmm. but um i'd always have to be very careful like and i i wouldn't get to i'm not to be honest i haven't had too many people on who would be who would be touchy topics? Most of them are light like enough. Like, but yeah, anytime yeah. I did have them on, it was kind of a case of like, ask whatever question you've written down and I'd be very, very careful of what. Like, I, I maybe I was too cautious at times, and maybe they kind yeah, of ended yeah. up being shy interviews because, because I was just terrified of like me saying the wrong thing and their face just flushing or something. Like that was my, yeah. yeah I was actually yeah. going into like it's it's a bit fucking sounds stupid, but going into doing a recording with someone with kind of in fear almost like that you're going to say the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, but I, but I think that's a good thing as well, though, Dan. You know, I I think and 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 you know, not this is by no means a slur on you. I I think people should stay in their lane. You know, and I see it on social media. You know, people who haven't got a fucking clue dishing out mental health devices, like, mm. you know, because they've fucking read some Oprah book of the week or something like you know. Mm. It's like, you're not fucking qualified to be in a position to talk about that. Like, you know, I've, you know, I have a degree in counseling psychotherapy. I have a master's in child and lesson psychotherapy. I do, I have to do 30 years of continuous professional development. Then every year on top of that, every day I'm in the office dealing with this stuff, you know, so you can say, oh, well, in such and such and their books said this kind of thing, you know, like for positive affirmations and stuff like that. Like that's fucking debilitating to someone with low self-esteem, like. And now they're going to feel worse. So, yeah, I love myself. I'm a good person, all that. These people don't believe that. And now they feel worse because, well, such and such said, you know, you should fucking say this stuff to yourself and it really works. I was like, so now, not only does it not work, but now they feel shit about themselves because this is the thing that they're supposed to be doing that's meant to work and it doesn't work. Or, you know, one person said, oh, well, my therapist said this thing. And it's like, yeah, your therapist may have said that to you specifically. That doesn't apply to fucking everyone. You know, and these are people with significant followings and stuff like that. And I think, you know, and I think fair play to you for having that having that bit of fear to understand actually this could be a very touchy subject, like and, and I need to um you know, kind of tread softly here. So I think I fair play to you for for having the awareness because you know, some people that may be a little bit more ignorant just fucking bull into that and go, Oh shit, <laughs> this I, I am not, you know, maybe I've triggered this individual and or maybe I'm triggered, maybe this brings up something in me because I'm I'm not qualified to, to deal with such a heavy
1: thing yeah yeah exactly and it's it, and it's all about the guests as well like you know if you, if you piss off or trigger the guests you're fucked from the start because they're yeah. the ones you're trying to you know I always think about it like you're trying to just let them talk as much as you can and you know to an extent just shut the fuck up and let them talk because yeah yeah the second you cut across them they kind of start going back into their shell a little bit and especially if it's something touchy that they're kind of not fully 100% talking about and maybe mm. They've just, just cause you asked them, they're doing it like, so yeah. there's a whole psychology to it. It's very interesting. Yeah, I, I think,
0: I think I was probably in the privileged position because people knew I was a therapist. So I think, mm. you know, and I, and I had to be cautious of that as well, of going, this isn't a therapy session, you know, and checking in. I might check in with that person after, after, uh, after the interview, or I might check in with them after they get the episode has gone live to see how they're doing. Um, you know, and some people I I stay in contact with, they drop a message. Oh, hi, Alan. You know, just wanted to check in. Good to see you. Or they might find me on TikTok. I go, geez, I'm loving your videos. I'm doing such and such a thing. You know, this kind of stuff. Like, one of the most interesting guests I had, and again, fucking irony, um, like, because this episode took off on YouTube that I don't know. Last time I checked, it it was like 31,000 views, like, of a girl called Hannah, not, not her real name, and she's a sex worker in Australia. You know, and I afterwards it was like I'd message her going, Um, "Have you been promoting the fucking episode?" This was months afterwards. I don't know, I don't know what happened. YouTube algorithm just hit it, and it was going look, it was going up like a thousand a day for a couple of days. And I'm like, "Have you been promoting this or anything?" She's like, "No." She's I forgot it was up there, and we were checking in to so like Jesus Christ, this is this is crazy. Like so obviously when you put something like sex worker, you know, into YouTube, but you know, at the time, nothing happened with the episode. Nothing happened, you know, it got shy views. The podcast wasn't really suited to YouTube as a platform. It was definitely more an audio um, audio suited. But one day it just hit and it started getting this. So again, someone made a comment, someone makes a comment, algorithm hits and fucking views just just started going up like so you know but that that was a fascinating that was a fascinating subject of someone that's uh, you know sex workers legal where she is in Australia and that was, you know that was really interesting and then this was after I stopped the podcast you know a few months later oh now the fucking thing goes viral now yeah, an difficult. episode hits like and you're like fuck's sake <laughs>
1: did, you make, did you make money out of that one did you no no not, not,
0: not, i don't know I, did, I was never even if i did i was never in it for the money i was offered we were offered sponsorship on the podcast so I, and i wouldn't take it it was someone fucking flogging some diet pill or something like that and i'm like no you know I, i'd kind of kind of principled around that if i wouldn't i wouldn't have had anything on it that i didn't agree with or i didn't support or you know and i checked out this thing and i was like you know there's no research around this like this is this is just bullshit like um, so just turned down the turn down the sponsorship for whatever it may have been I don't know I didn't even check it but uh, no I never never heard anything from YouTube or a monetization or never never pushed for anything like that so yeah I
1: don't
0: know if you hear explosions here Dan there's fucking fireworks going off I'm oh, not is sure there? if you he can, he can hear them but that's all it is if anyone thinks I'm, I'm in another part of the world <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> yeah they're fucking starting early aren't they it's not even Halloween yeah Fuck yeah, so.
0: yeah oh, geez, they're here six weeks now at this point
1: where are they how huh, folks say yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. roll on roll on fucking Christmas yeah, yeah. Um, with the day when the diet pill lads got onto you Were they they just wanted you to to read out when little lad at the start of every yeah, episode it was, was, it was or... just
0: offered through the podcast provider so because we started getting you know we started getting the listens um, and it just said oh there's an opportunity for monetization and you know click here to accept uh, and I looked it up I was like no no, not not taking that like um. So, and you'd constantly keep getting it. I know. You know. You could be making money, and you know, I'm like, ignore, ignore.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. I'll go back to the start. Did you? What? What made you want to start the podcast? Was writing that stuck out, or were you just like, fuck it, I want. Uh, to it the was therapist? Peter.
0: It was Peter that had approached me. So, um, despite the middle-aged, fucking white male, I used to be a rapper. Myself and Peter used to be. We were rappers, like. Oh, and is... We were. In, yeah, we were in a band together. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we were. Did, did a lot of good gigs around Ireland and stuff like that um, and for me I, it was the, the podcast was the same and maybe, it's, maybe it's the autism in me but when I'm done I'm fucking done like so when we were doing the music and it was like that it was just you know we did it for the love you know we were playing all these venues and you know you're not getting paid or you're getting paid shite money and you know you're having to take time off or you're traveling across the country and you know stuff like this And for me, it just got to the point where it's like, nah, this just feels like work. I I don't enjoy this anymore. So I I stopped. I stopped with the music. I focused on the acting. um, Went off, won some awards with the acting. Then as I was doing that, actually it was just when I won Best Actor the All-Ireland Final, that's when I had actually started my degree. So I didn't have time to pursue the acting anymore. Um, And I, I kind of stopped with that, went off, did my degree, did my master's. Um, so I hadn't seen P, I hadn't seen P in years. And I, and it was during COVID, just at the start of the lockdown, I just could a put a couple of videos up on uh the on my business, on my business page. I didn't really use it, but I just put it up. P seen it. He was like, Jeez, man, would you be interested? He was he was obviously on the radio at the time. Um I said, Would you be interested in doing a podcast? And I was like, Yeah, fucking sound, man, yeah, definitely. But on the condition, I don't want this to be work. I want this to be a chat with my mate. I and mean, we just happened to be talking about mental health. Um, so it was him that had approached me about it. Uh, I'd been thinking about it and I, I'd actually thought about it before with people, you know, I didn't, I'd never considered a podcast. I was like, yeah, I wonder if we do that on the radio, how would it work? And then when he suggested a podcast, I was like, brilliant, perfect, perfect idea. So
1: did you know him before or did he just randomly text you?
0: No. Um. So back in, back in the day, back in my hip hop days, I used to run a, Irish hip hop website and I had myself, so I had, I had started out as a solo rapper, and then myself and a friend from school, he was um DJ Lee, he used to be on Too Fast and RT and stuff like that. Um, We started doing music together, and it was like, you know, when we were doing gigs, it was like, same as the podcast, and I, I need someone else to bounce off of on stage, because he was just DJing, he wouldn't be saying anything. So P sent music in, now this is like, you know, pre, <laughs> you know, streaming and all this, like people would send me you know you know you're talking 56k dial-up broadband you know mobile internet kind of thing so there was no broadband people would send you cd you know i'd rip the cd upload the mp3s and stuff like that so p had sent me in a cd of his stuff and i was like Fuck it, this guy's really good like i really liked i really liked his style I Sent it to shane i said it to to the dj i was like you know what would you think about bringing in this guy met p click straight away and then on stage we just had a brilliant rapport. We just knew, and that carried through with the podcast. We just knew when to come in, you know, when not to come in. And we just bounced off each other and, and had the crack on stage. And that's, you know, we picked that up. Then when the podcast started, it was just that same dynamic of just bouncing off each other on the stage. We just bounced off each other. Um, and it was all done, as I said, it was at the time of lockdown, the height of lockdown. So it was all uh, online. So it's, it's like ourselves here, you know, online. And that, that that worked for us then because of just having that the the rep, the relationship that we'd had
1: from years before. Did you have like DJ names written?
0: No, we were again, you know, and this is probably the authentic thing, or this was the you know, just that genuine thing. Like mine was just AC, but it was just my letters phonetically spelled like and he was just PDMC. That's that's that was our names, that was our initials that was it you know but there was no no big rapper names or anything like that you know i think that authenticity and just being genuine is something they've carried through and in, in everything i've done you know so from from the get-go
1: yeah would you ever go back to the rapping or is that that day is done i miss it and no, no, i miss it
0: There's a... i know I, I never would but I, I do miss it like you know you might you might hear a song and they be like oh that'd be a fucking great sample like you know you could do something with that or you know, I might think up a clever lyric or something like that, um, and you'd miss it then. But, but we did, we did something a couple of years ago. We did, we just did a one-off thing for. I think it was a charity event or something. We, we did it. For, I can't remember, but you know, that was that was a Jesus. That was about ten years ago now. So uh, yeah,
1: probably yeah, probably around ten years ago. So. Yeah, no, that that's honestly the last thing I thought you would have said was that you were a rapper. Now it really it caught me <laughs> yeah. off guard. Terror terrible, terrible yeah, yeah rapper. Yeah really came out of nowhere
0: yeah yeah so uh, i started out as a dj so i started out so i love like i grew up late 80s early 90s listening to hip-hop you know before you know when you're the only white guy in a small town in ireland you know um that's into hip-hop and then i started DJing. dj and you know i loved music started dj and i was asked to dj for this kind of like this boy band r b kind of rap pretty boy kind of thing like I was DJing for them and they would, they would have their own rap songs and I was just like fucking hell I could do better than that like so I did <laughs> so I went off and started rapping and you know just developed a you know bit of a reputation bit of a following did a lot of gigs supported a lot of the the big American rappers that would have come over the, the guys I would have listened to growing up you know we'd support them if they were doing gigs we'd go on beforehand you know get the crowd going stuff like that uh, played on Today FM 2 FM, Spin FM Stuff like that. So, uh, but again, it was all for the love, and when it just became work, then it just had no more interest in it. Mm, yeah, yeah. So DJ, rapper, actor, therapist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a pretty pretty loaded CV, Al. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. not including the day jobs I've had in between that. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like what did what did the podcast do for? I know obviously you were helping other people, but. What did it do for you mentally? Even like, and as well, like people talk about like, you know, you obviously are a therapist, like who's, who is the therapist for the therapist? Like, did it help you mentally? Like, was it kind of therapeutic to be talking, just even talking shite with Peter? Like just, just Yeah, that, that bit,
0: that you know? bit certainly was. Yeah, the, the first bit talking with P or talking with, you know, the co-host, my son Cameron, he did it as well. And my friend Michelle, she did a few episodes. And then the last one was with my ex-partner and they were the ones that you enjoyed, you know, that was just us. I was doing something, with my partner and we were having the crack. Um, but yeah, it was always that bit. So, you know, with P because there'd be times like you you know, he'd be late, you have to get to put the kids to bed. So it might be eight o'clock and P it was never fucking punctual, you know. So he he's on Mullingar time. So you know, it could be half eight when you're when you're recording and you know, like, oh fucking hell of thoughts of doing this now tonight. Um and then we'd then we'd get talking and we'd have the crack and it'd be coming off and I'd be buzzing like, Oh, that was fucking great, crack. Now I enjoyed that one and you know, stuff like that. So that, that aspect, there was definitely times where, you know, I come away buzzing of just haven't had the crack and times you were in tears, laughing or, you know, stuff like that. Um, So I think that aspect uh, I enjoyed, because like I said, it was always, it was always about the co-host for me. The the guests were the guests, you know, it was again, you know, more work related than anything else. Um, It was, very often questions I would ask any client in a session, you know, dealing with, dealing with these people around mental health issues. So it was just always about the, the co-host and the crack.
1: Yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and, and mentally, are you, were you all like, did you change much from when you started it to when you finished doing it? Or did you improve mentally or were you struggling mentally at any stage or no, well, like, like I've, like, so as part of, you know, as part of the training as a therapist, you have to
0: undergo uh, 50 hours of personal therapy. So you got to work through your own shit before you start working with any client. Um, and then when I did my master's, I had to do another 20 or 25 hours of personal therapy, but I'd always maintained my therapy since my degree. And I still go to therapy. I still, every two weeks, you know, I'm in therapy. You know, I go the way, you know, people go to the gym to keep on top of their, physical health, I go to therapy to, to keep on top of my mental health, you know, so that's how, you know, I, I maintain and, you know, people are, you know, on the podcast, you know, saying of Jesus, appreciate how open I was or how honest I was. I was like, yeah, because I processed all this shit like this. This stuff doesn't trigger me. I, you know, I'm able to manage this. I've worked through it. This stuff doesn't have any sort of emotional impact on me anymore. So I, I can talk about, you know, on the podcast when, you know, periods in my life where I had depression or, you know, as a teenager where i stood in front of a train getting ready to throw myself off a bridge because you know i've dealt with all that i process it so i'm able to talk about that sort of thing whereas when we have to work through our issues you know you're not going to be able to open a book about that because you would be embarrassed or you would be ashamed and you know for me it's just about like let's fucking just you know it sounds like such a fucking cliche like but you know i'm in a position where i can speak with confidence around mental health stuff because you know I'm good at my job and I've studied this and I enjoy it. I love my job. I, I enjoy what I do. Um, So it's really of trying to, you know, what would have helped me, you know, before, before I started therapy or anything like that, when I was growing up and I was going through so much shit throughout my life, I probably needed someone like me, you know, if there had been someone to that was able to talk openly that you can go, Jesus, this, you know, I resonate. This guy is relatable. You know this this guy is authentic and genuine, and that's that's something I've strived for throughout my whole life is just to be as authentic as possible. Like, he, like I said, he, my rapper name is just my initials. You know, mm-hmm. every everything is just just trying to be true and authentic, and and that resonates with people. You know, like, and anyone knows that. I go, you know, and even the stuff on TikTok now. People going people going, Jesus I love the way you're just straight talking, and you know you're so authentic and so relatable, and." jeez, I wish, I wish you lived closer. I'd love to come and see you. I think I'd get a huge benefit of seeing you as a therapist and stuff like that. I just, I just try to be genuine and I don't sugarcoat it. Maybe it's, maybe it's the autism thing. Like, you know, I'm more like a fucking sledgehammer to the face than softly, softly, fucking all touchy feely kind of thing. Like, you know, so, and sometimes, sometimes that's what people need.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, I always think about, um, like, is there is there a pressure? No, there mightn't be. I know you said you have to do the therapy yourself at the start, mm. but I always think like, in my head, the way I think about it, like a therapist, almost like they have to be perfect all the time. Like they like they're dealing with a client who, whatever whatever situation they have, they can't break down or they can't. I almost think that they have to be completely stoic the whole time. And look, I I've never been inside a therapist's office. I've never done mm. therapy. Mm. I've never been on either side of it, so I don't know. But is is. I know you don't have to be completely stoic because that's a bit fucking mm. frightening when someone comes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone just straight face for the whole thing when you're telling when you're probably telling them seriously traumatic shit like but um is there a pressure in it at all or
0: No, I mean what like for me, so starting off, um, you know, when I started off, obviously, you know, you're going by the book and stuff like that. And, you know, so a lot of a lot of the therapy training would be that uh, you know you don't self-disclose you don't tell the client anything about yourself and this is to facilitate transference and stuff like that Um, and for me you know people would be coming in and, and I would have done it at the start and you know you're asking oh and, you know they might be talking with their kids and oh do you have kids and you know the typical terrorist response to that might be oh and you're wondering if I have kids you know but really what this person is asking is can you fucking relate to what I'm talking about here like do you feel like fucking pulling your hair out at times you know, this, this kind of stuff. Like, you know, yeah, I have kids. And so I, I would self-disclose with clients, but I, I would typically, I punch down on myself. So I'm, I'm never telling the client of how great I am. I'll tell them how I fucked up in the past. And again, that makes it that bit more relatable of, you know, what it is or parenting fails that might've been in the past or, you know, stuff like that. So this person, you know, feels, okay, this is authentic. This person isn't telling me how great they are. This person is relatable. And, you know, and I'll go in and I'll crack jokes with clients. And, you know, many of the reviews I have online will be, you know, Alan's sense of humor. Like that, you know, because once you can get a person laughing, you can get someone at ease. And if you can get someone at ease, you can get them coming back. And if you get someone coming back, you can help them to get better. So it's no good being, as as exactly as you said there, coming in stoic. Like there's some therapists and they wouldn't even greet the client at the door, they wouldn't say anything. why is that well it's not kind of part of it isn't to I suppose preload the conversation you know so you just let the client sit there and whatever they start talking about they start talking about but you know for the majority of people that's a very unnerving situation to just sit there and talk oh I felt like killing myself during the week you know you kind of have to ease into it a little bit Um, so some that would be some therapist's approach um, whereas, you know, others then would be go, Well, how have you been feeling? What's been on your mind this week, that kind of thing. Um, so I was like, here's here's your prod. Now you you you'd go with that wherever wherever you need to go with it. So um just just to be as authentic as possible, I think it makes it more relatable and human, you know, because that's what therapy is about. It's it's a connection between two humans. That the majority of ninety percent of therapy is the therapeutic relationship. And it's no good if you can't form a therapeutic relationship. You might have all the fucking book smarts in the world, but if you can't, like I always I always liken it to uh acting. So, you know, the, the two the two sides of myself, you know, the, the actor doesn't bring a script on stage. You have to know the stuff and then throw the script away, throw the book away and apply it as it fits for that individual. So some clients okay, oh, I might I might get into you know, technical stuff around neuroscience and the brain and how this thing works and how that thing works. And again, knowing another client, go, that's not going to work for you. They're, they're, You know, they're not going to be able to relate to that. So I take a different approach with them. And that's that's the art, you know, so you can have the science, you can have the research, but you have to have the art form of being able to adapt. And the same with acting. Something goes wrong on stage, you just adapt. That's, that's, and that's the best way to do it. So not be by the book, learn the book, know the book. But then throw the book away.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Learn the book and throw it away. Um what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Thing you were saying about the non-disclosure. What do you mean you can't tell them basically anything about about and would that would that I was I was thinking about that because I had a therapist on before and they were saying about that. That was the one thing that didn't really make much sense to me. Would it not be more would it not be better if you could obviously not be telling them everything about yourself Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. becomes your fucking therapy session. Exactly. Exactly. But just like the odd bit so they can kind of relate to you a bit. Is that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And
0: that's what the research shows. And the research shows like when, uh, where, uh, you know, the client might ask something or the the therapist doesn't self-disclose that it hurts the relationship. So the, and the research shows this. when I, so when I did my, Degree, you know, you know, by the book, and I'm only starting out and I'm only learning. Then I go into private practice, you know, I make a successful business out of that. Then I start my master's. And I remember having a module, um I think it was on psychodynamic theory. So this would kind of very Freudian, you know, unconscious stuff and all this kind of thing. And, you know, the tutor was saying about never self disclose. And I said, well, you know, well, I would. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You're not allowing for transference. And I was like, well, you know, my experience and what the research backs up is. You know, by not self-disclosing, you're hurting the uh, the therapeutic relationship. And you know, and I said to her, like, like I understand. And again, this is the confidence from, you know, being able to make a full-time business out of this. I go, I understand that's the way you work, but this is the way I work. You know, and it must be fucking working because I'm always busy and people keep coming back. So, um, so that that works. But yeah, the old school would be you don't tell the client anything. Like you're an absolute complete blank page for them to project onto you whatever whatever they need to um, but you know I just prefer to go back to the old fucking rapper lingo I just prefer to keep it real <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, you know, not, it... and
0: I, it's exactly as you said like it's not it's not making about my therapy session but it might be about oh well I had this experience in the past or um, that may be you know
1: yeah yeah, because, like, as you said, it's tr- you're trying to make it like a normal conversation as much as you can. So mm. you're cutting out a pretty big part of it because you're cutting out the, obviously, the the possibility of you saying nothing about yourself, which is a pretty fucking weird conversation. Imagine two of us sat down and said, Look, you say everything about yourself, but I'm not saying fucking nothing to you. Like, exactly, exactly. Pretty, pretty like, weird conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: oh, so you, you felt like killing yourself during the week. And, and now you're asking me, Do I have any plans for the weekend? Yeah. That's a bit fucking lopsided. Like, <laughs> And again, some people, some therapists, that's the way they'll work. They were like, okay, and you're wondering if I have any plans for the weekend or nothing planned, you know, that kind of thing. But I found, you know, and again, this is what comes from experience and experiences I've had, you know, with my own therapists in the past of the kind of the last 30 seconds or the minute of a therapy session can be the most important because it's just that kind of thing of what are you up to now? For the rest, and I'll always say that the clients, going you know, what's the plan for the rest of the day? Because that's just about, you know, they might be dealing with some very heavy stuff in the session, and it's just to remind them you're know, going back into the world now. You know, well, what are you doing now for the rest of the day? You know, so just to that, and you know, a client might ask, oh, you know, any plans for the weekend? Oh, I'm going up to the the Ireland rugby game on, on Saturday or whatever maybe. Oh, you're into the rugby? You know, I, I did watch anything at the last game, and again, just a connection. Just we've connected. And just a little another little piece, someone else might go, Oh, well, that might upset another client who may see you as elitist because you're into rugby or that kind of thing. Like you know. I was like, no, because yeah. I do enough work in the session that in reality it probably wouldn't matter what I was into, because the client knows I'm good at what I do, they can relate to me. And there's nothing that nothing but any malice or intent that I'm doing to affect that that relationship.
1: Yeah, and they know you're not a D four snob, and after the big yeah. K- Kildare town accent yeah, aren't you?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I am half a dub. I'm I mixed right. way oh, half, half dub, half culture. Like,
1: all <laughs> oh, right, okay. Dub, and
0: and that's either the family. So, like, if you hear me around my Dublin family, the act the, the old dub accent comes out a little bit, like you know. But typically, it's the fucking flack accent.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where where it should be. Yeah. Um yeah, because I think a lot of people like obviously you know more about this than me, but. Um, a lot of people are going to therapy, they probably just want someone to talk to, like you know, people like it's. I, I was, um, what podcast was I listening? I think it was, uh, could have been Chris Williamson or something like that, anyway. But he was saying, I don't know what the stat was, but it was how many people have at least uh, two or more close friends. And I think the figure had within about 30 or 40 years, it had just fucking disintegrated, yeah. like there was, yeah, yeah slumped, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's mad, I, I don't know, there's probably a lot of reasons for it, but maybe that's probably why people are more drawn to terror, maybe there's, there's obviously a lot more education about it, like probably mm. you were the same mental health as someone 20 years ago even, I'd say you um you get a pretty weird stare back at you, but, but there wasn't um,
0: even the phrase, you know, like 20 years ago there definitely, you know, that that phrase wasn't around
1: 20 years they just, ago, they like, just throw you in asylum bad. 20 years ago,
0: yeah, yeah, that was it like if you had depression, you know you didn't say someone had depression, you know so I ought to talk to the bed you know, or, <laughs> or if, if someone had anxiety, you know, they, they would say, oh, they suffer with their nerves, <laughs> you know, they didn't have words like depression and anxiety back then, you know, so there is great awareness and particularly for, you know, the younger generation that's coming up now, now it, it's improved, but it's still fairly shit like, you know, and I get a lot of young clients, maybe late teens, early twenties go, oh no, I just I just kind of recognize my mental health is struggling so I just wanted to come and talk to someone and you know, sometimes therapy is you know, there's there's a clear problem and and you're working toward a solution. Someone's depressed, you know, you're trying to make them feel better. Someone's anxious, trying to make them calmer. You know, there's a a clear problem working toward a solution. And sometimes therapy is emotional support. You know, it's been, you know, because there's plenty of countless, countless sessions I've had where I've never opened my mouth. I have sat there for, you know, my sessions are 50 minutes. I have sat there for maybe 46 minutes until I grab the diary and you know we kind of summarize what's been spoken about I haven't said a word and it's just for people to have that space to talk about whatever it is that they need to you know to sit there as they cry without the need to fill that space by making conversation just, just to witness the pain and to, to hold that space for them to be as emotional as they need to be without jumping in and trying to fix it for them or telling them to it'll be grand it'll be grand you know as as friends and family would typically do so it's it's those two things it's emotional support and sometimes there's a clear problem working toward a solution
1: yeah it's um yeah it's it's, i don't know what the word is but it's it's just a it's an incredibly powerful job like it's it's it must be so just yeah it's powerful like you're you're seeing people just unload people you've never met before in your life and they're just unloading this stuff that they probably might not have told their parents like
0: oh it's... I've like I've there's there's so many <sighs> from from every age so I work from 12 upwards you know I think my eldest clients I ever had was 78 I've had a good few clients in their 70s like and you know someone that was in a mother and baby home I kind of never spoken about someone that was sexually abused I've never spoken about someone that's gay I've never spoken about like, the privileged position to be, like, the first person ever that the person has verbalized something out loud to, you know, it's, and it, it, I suppose on the bad side, it's like, well, it's fucking terrible that they felt they could never talk about this before, you know, and that they've held on to this for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years, have never spoken about it. Um, and then you get to be in a position so like it sounds a bit fucking twisted like. but I love working with trauma because you know I know that the capacity to change is so great I know how much this person is struggling and I know that by working through all of that and working with all of that that person is going to come out the fucking back end of it completely changed so it it is it's a very privileged position in that sense to to hear things that no one else has ever heard. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah, it must it must be unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the final the final thing I'll ask you, Alan, what um is there any piece of advice you give to someone if there are for someone who's maybe struggling struggling mentally.
0: Um. Well, obviously, you know, the old fucking cliches. It's good to talk. It's okay not to be okay, but they're fucking clichés, like, you know. It's it's one thing, you know, to to talk and open up to someone. But it's to know who you're opening up to. You know, know know your audience kind of thing. Like, you know, is this person someone I can trust? Is this someone that I can now I'm talking just talking about, you know, friends and family, that kind of thing. But, you know, I think I think every I think everyone should be in therapy. Like, I think everyone should have the experience of therapy. Because we all have our shit, like, you know, that we don't even, we don't even realize. Um, like I, you know, I, I had an idea for a TikTok there now this evening. I, you know, I got the fucking worktops changed in my kitchen. And, you know, when I got the worktop changed and the color of the cupboards don't fucking suit the worktops. So I've been painting them all weekend. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, well, now the fucking tiles in the kitchen look shit. So now I have to do something with them. So you kind of don't realize something, how bad something can be until you're in the process of working on it. Now and it it makes more work for yourself, but in the end it's it's for the better. So I think you know therapy, you know therapy is you know it is a luxury for many people to have to have the money to be able to afford that. But there's you know there's low cost options. There's student therapists. You know they they will come at a, at a low cost. In some in some places there's free therapy. You know they're covered by a service. Um, there is private therapy for people that can afford it so i think for people to understand that there is options out there um regardless of finances you know you'll find you'll be able to find something that can help you to open up about it because secrecy just breeds shame and the more we bottle stuff up uh, particularly men you know you just repress 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 and then you know typically you know, that young male syndrome in particular of, you know, lads in their early 20s, you know, they're bottling stuff up, bottling stuff up, and then it's all about ego on the night out, and they're fucking boxing heads off each other, and, you know, lads are getting killed by one punch, or, you know, something goes horribly wrong, and, you know, because people just don't work through their shit, and it all just comes out then. And particularly in Ireland, you know, because we're, you know, we're a nation that prides ourselves on being alcoholics, like, but we're, we're fucking alcoholics because we're so emotionally repressed, and whether that's, you know, as a result of colonization by the British, by traumas like the famine, um, church abuse, uh, in you know, systemic abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, we're so emotionally repressed because, you know, parents' unresolved issues just get passed on to the children. And then you get into generational trauma that's just passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on. You know, so someone has to come along and break that cycle. Someone has to end it and... You know whether it's coming and sitting in front of me and going, you know, fucking fair play. You you decided that that it goes no further. So I would certainly recommend go and speak to a professional. Open up to someone. You know, someone that feels safe for you, um, because that's that's the key. Safety is the key. Because if you feel safe, then you can be. You know, you can allow yourself to be vulnerable to talk about. You know what, man, had a fucking dark week there last week, and I was thinking about. You know, maybe ending it all. You're fucking brilliant, man. I'm glad you came and told me that. Like, you know, what, what can we do? You know, I'm here for you. Just, just fucking reach out. It doesn't matter the day or the time. You know, let me know what I can do to help, that kind of thing. And I think for many people, you know, Joe Public, they panic in situations like that because they think they have to fix it. You know, they're jumping in. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And nine times out of 10, it's just to be there. Just your presence is enough to witness that person's pain and go, look, and and to, and I'd say to the clients, well, just tell them, Jesus, I don't know what to say. You know, that's such an overwhelming experience because that's just going to mirror what that individual, that suffering is going through. You know, to be able to say, Jesus, you know, I don't know what to say. To that. I wish I could help. So finding someone safe to open up to, if you don't have that person in your personal life, certainly go and talk to to talk to professionals.